Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. Welcome everybody. Good to be here this morning and I'm so glad you're here with us. God has something so good for us in this hour and I want to encourage you, press out of where you've been. This is the hour to press into something new, to press out of lethargy, to press out of complacency, to press out of just sitting in the back. It's time to come forward in the things of God. It's time to come forward with the army of God and be a part of what God's doing. Um, we got some things coming, you know, coming up soon here. Uh, but even beyond all of that, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing all of you in my house soon. Uh, what we're going to call an appetizer, you know, uh, bring a presentation of our app, our new app and uh, some other things that we'll be starting at that time. But I want just to encourage you all to go, just have it in your mindset. You're going to go to the next level. You're going to go to the next level of the call of God, of commitment, of focus, of pressing in. And when you do that, you're going to experience more. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. But I want to just, to just mention this decision with Roe versus Wade. You know, um, Whenever wrong decisions are made and things are brought into the a nation, um, you see the minds begin to be corrupted and hearts begin to be corrupted. You could see this. The most recent really big thing was a few years ago when there was a battle to, I don't know if you remember whether uh, marriage should be between a man and a woman. And, and um, you know, that was the battle. But once the government decided and and the the authority at that time said that word it opened up the gates of hell so to speak and darkness and if you look at the mindset of this nation from that moment it's amazing how things changed when when our president said a certain thing because of his place of authority boom you i mean even in the next month boom everything was changing and look at look at that moment in time and you'll begin to see one thing right after the other began to transpire, and there's, there's been such a great darkness over this nation. Well, go back. 50 years ago, um, there was this decision that's been made with, with Roe versus Wade, which, was, which actually what it did was legitimize uh, abortions and made people you know, become dull to it. Oh, you're not killing a child. Well, you actually are killing a child. And um, it not only, it, it, it grew so far from that. And after a while, uh, not only are people wanting abortions, but then, I mean, as I've mentioned recently, um, there was even one governor who said, um, let's do this after the child is born. And of course, you know, some, some have said, well, to get around this, we'll, have, we'll birth the baby, leave the head inside the womb and cut the neck uh, and kill it that way. That way it's still an abortion. And you see all those, can you not see how crazy and ridiculous that is? Well, that just started 50 years ago. And there's a, there's a curse over our nation because of that. Cain killed Abel. And what happened? God says his blood cries out to me from the ground. There's a responsibility for that. And see when there's sin in the land, particularly when it's legitimized, when it's legalized, there are many things that are wrong in our nations, but something like this, which is legitimizing and legalizing wrong, it's, we are terribly responsible. So there's been prayer, and there's a lot to be said about the Jubilee year. This is 50 years, and it's, it's crazy when you hear what happened the very same year that Roe versus Wade was passed, um, where the decision was made. Um, so many other negative things happened that year, and it's like, wow. 50 years, 50 years of praying, 50 years of people believing, crying out to God, asking God to, to change this unjust in, in law and open up the minds to truth again, open up the minds to love again. So this is a day of rejoicing. And it's also a day I want you to step back. Uh, now, there might be some of you who are still questioning a lot of things, learning a lot of things. You might disagree with me on things. That's okay. For those of you that have been walking with the Lord, I want you to step back for a moment and just think about things right now. You can see that there's a negative momentum, and I believe that there are potential negative things that might come to pass. I don't think there's anything wrong for preparing for that, whether it be food, whether it be preparing for the possibility of huge levels of inflation and a lot of other things that very well may come our way. 
But if you step back, you'll see God is moving in the midst of all of this. And you look at something like Roe versus Wade, which I see like a kingpin or, or some a foundational something in the kingdom of darkness, which so much other stuff has been built on. It's just amazing to me what's happening. And we are seeing the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness at war. And I can tell you already who is going to win. Amen. God's going to win and we're going to see some great things happen. So buckle your seatbelt, stay in prayer, be ready for what might happen. But God's already got it all figured out. Amen. Amen. And I just rejoice in this because this has been broken. You're going to see blessing begin to flow in the land. I believe blessing is going to begin to flow. And I believe if there are states that begin to say, hey, no, we are going to do this and do that. I mean, again, some of these states have wanted to go further than what was allowed. Who knows what we're going to see happen in those states. I won't be surprised if you see a very big distinction between the states that are doing godly things and the states that are deciding they're going to walk in darkness. Anyway, keep your eyes open to what's happening right now. Now, we've been talking to you, uh, I've been talking to you about pressing into the kingdom. I wish you were right here. Man, I just love to have you in my house. I want you to get that vision. You're going to be in my house. Just say this right now. I'm going to be in pastor's house in a few weeks. Even next week, I'm going to be there. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to get myself there and enjoy being there. Uh, I believe that there's a level of experience that's here that we all need to have. But anyway, I'm, I'm very encouraged for you being online. You know, down the road, we want to have little hubs in places. Uh, you know, over there in Galveston and um, over there, in, in, you know, an hour north of here and, and all different places where people can congregate on Sunday morning. And I'm looking forward to that. I believe it's in the realm of the kind of things that God's going to be doing right now. So I'll get into that later. Maybe app day, we'll talk about that. But um, we've been talking about, as I said, pressing into the kingdom. And uh, let me back up here. Welcome those of you that are here. Um, trusting God, we're going to fill up today. Oh, you know, if you have time or if you know how to do this, maybe you could invite your friends, invite somebody um, that you'd like to participate. They might get on a little late, but that's all right. At least they'll get here. Amen. Anyway, I'm just so revved up. I need to calm down just for a minute. I got so much on the inside of me. Um, but we're going to talk about pressing into the things of the kingdom. And I hope you get this. I hope you put it in your heart. Hope you think about it. Hope you meditate on it. Because I believe this is the hour when God is calling his people into a new place of insight, commitment to the Lord, dedication, pressing into the things of God, letting go of the things of this world, letting go of worry, letting go of, of the, just of, of selfish ambitions, and doing whatever it takes to press into the things of the kingdom. We saw that it takes pressing to experience the kingdom. It takes a pressing. Matthew eleven twelve. from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Luke 16, 16 says it this way. Uh, people are pressing into the kingdom. They're pressing. He's saying the same thing, but he uses this expression, pressing. And I like that expression because it gives you a picture of pressing through resistance, pressing out of something, pressing into something. That's the way the kingdom works. It works that way when you get saved. You see, when you get saved, you're pressing out of self. You're pressing out of a self-serving life, out of selfishness and, um, and the way you've been doing things. You, you may be pressing out of sin, out of, out of your old habits. You may be pressing out of all the things that are holding you back and you realize you're having to, to let go of all of that. You're pressing out of that and you're pressing into a place of trust, a place of I'm giving it all over, a place of I'm going to really do this. I'm going to give him all. I'm going to trust that I can give him my life. You see, it's a, it's a place of pressing into that because you want God. You want eternal salvation. You see, and you don't, wanna, you don't want to go the route you're going in. You want help from God. And so you press into that. There's also a pressing that has to take place if you want to grow. You know, you can't just get into the kingdom and say, well, I'm in now. You know, a lot of people pray. Oh, we pray um, that Jesus come into your heart. And then, uh, then well, then, then that's it. You know, then, then you go back your own way of, of life. Let me just say this. 
Jesus didn't say, just pray the prayer. He's like, no, you have to actively come into me. You've got to actively make this thing work in your life. You see, and, and um, he says this to his disciples. He's telling them, abide in me and I will in you. And then he says, if you abide, he's telling you take the initiative. initiative. Now, who's he telling this to? His disciples. He didn't say, I'm always going to be inside of you. Now, just do whatever. No, he's telling him, okay, guys, you're my disciples. Listen, you've got to make the effort. You've got to take the time. You've got to do whatever is necessary to make this happen. Abide in me. Get to that place of rest. Get to that place of trust. Come unto me and experience me. And if you do that, then you're going to be fruitful. He doesn't say you'll be fruitful as a passive Christian. You will not be very fruitful as a passive Christian. You've got to do what it takes to abide in him. And then he says, if you abide in my word, you're staying in his word. His word's living in you. His word is speaking to you. It's bubbling up on the inside of you. It's alive. It's active. It's working the way it ought to do. If you abide in me and in my word, Ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. Now, if I said that, and it wasn't in the Bible, man, everybody would say I was some kind of heretic. How could we ever say God would do that? But that is exactly what Jesus said. Abide in my word, and ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. And I can tell you, sometimes you need to abide in the very area where you've got a need. You need to abide in the promises that say God will provide for you. And then you need to ask for that provision. You need to abide in that part of the word that says God will heal you, that he was sacrificed for your wounds, your physical wounds even, and that by his stripes you will be healed. You need to claim those promises and hold on to those. Let the word of God richly live inside of you. Then ask what you will. It shall be done. Amen. It shall be done. Man, the word of God is powerful. It's amazing. But you have to make the effort to get it on the inside of you. If you don't make the effort to get, on the in, get it on the inside of you, it will not work for you. As powerful as it is, it will not work for you if you don't take the time, make the effort to get the word on the inside of you. Man, that's a powerful thing. And how many times does it seem just like it's such a small little something? Oh, just a little bit of a distraction and we can be pulled away from our word time or we can be pulled away from our prayer time. Just a little bit of, oh, I'll just do this. You know, our flesh doesn't want to do this. And the Bible says the flesh wars against the spirit. That means your spirit man will want to do something. God in you wants to pray. God in you wants to get into the word. But... Your flesh is weak, right? So, if you live according to the flesh, death happens. But if you live according to the Spirit, life begins to happen on the inside of you. Amen? And Jesus also told his disciples something like this. The flesh, uh, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Pray. Pray. You see what happens when you press past that little weakness of your flesh? You begin to enter into the power of the Spirit. I don't know how many times when I felt so discouraged, so weighed down, and I didn't feel like praying whatsoever. The other day I was telling my wife, you know what? It was I forgot all that happened that day, but I just felt like the weight of the world was on me. Now, for some reason, I hadn't had the kind of prayer I needed to have that day. And then, then I did that. And after that time of prayer, I'm like, what was I waiting for? All that burden lifted off of me. The power of God came to me. My perspective changed. I got strengthened on the inside and had something of strength on the inside that I didn't, that I didn't have the hour before I prayed. I mean, think about that. God works. And if you will spend time in the Word and get in the Word, the Word will work in you. There's a... Word, there's a um, Verse that says something like this. Take heed how you hear. According to your measure that you use is the measure you're going to get it back given to you. What Jesus is, that was in Luke 8, 18. What Jesus is saying here is 
Of course, we've, we've seen the word is powerful. It does its work. But he's saying here, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. Pay attention how you hear. Pay attention. Are you getting something out of the word? Are you receiving from God? Are you distracted? Are you busy doing other things? Are you giving a half-hearted effort? He says, according to the measure you bring, it's going to be a, the debt that you get back out of it. Yes, that's so true. So put yourself into the Word. Dive into the Word. Immerse yourself into the Word. Get away from distractions. Get something from God. You don't have to read the whole Bible in a year. Just read till you get something. You know, and ask God, God, speak to me today and start reading. And when you start getting something, stop right there and meditate on it. You know what happens when you meditate on it? When you meditate on it, that's how God gives you understanding. You see, understanding doesn't just come because you're a smart person. Understanding comes because God gives you understanding. So you get into the Word, you start reading, and then, you, and then God begins to apply it to your life. You then know what to do. You know that the light comes on, not just about what it's saying, but how to apply it. That is understanding. Amen? And Jesus spoke about many people that never get to that place. He says, the word goes out like seed. This is in Matthew 13. And as powerful as the word is, for some people it does them no good. Amazing. The Word of God, the powerful Word of God that created the heavens and the earth does some people no good. He says, there's one who doesn't understand. It's like the one that the seed falls on the top and it doesn't go down deep. It says, that one that doesn't understand, who is the one that doesn't understand? They don't spend time in the Word. It's not a mental thing. Let me explain that again. It's about meditating on it thinking about it, and having God speak to you and correct you and direct you. Are you receiving that communication? I'm just telling you, that's exactly what I'm talking about, and that's exactly what the Bible's talking about. There's communication between you and God when the Word of God is speaking to you. So that's what he says. If you don't understand it, if you've not been meditating on it, if it doesn't go down deep, what does it say? It says the devil comes, and it, that's what it says, the devil comes and snatches away the word of God. Doesn't produce any fruit. There's another one. It says, this one is not steady with God. Man, they get the word of God, but then they, they won't walk with it in difficult times. They'll get distracted or whatever, or difficult times will come. And another one gets distracted. He says, for all of these people, they get distracted. They, they start focusing on other things. He says, the word of God will do you no good. But then he says, but the one that gets the word in a good heart and understands it, they bring forth 30, 60, and 100 fold. Now, listen, it's not 30 times, 60 times, and 100 times. It's 30, 40, and excuse me, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Fold is much larger than just multipli multiplication, right? So it's an amazing thing. Now, I just want you to think right here. I'll, don't look at this verse religiously. Oh, I've heard that forever. Ask yourself, am I producing in my life? Is God changing my life? Am I growing? Is my spiritual life growing? If you're not growing, something's wrong. Maybe you need to reassess things. Maybe you need to examine yourself. Maybe you need to examine your faith. Are you really in the faith? You see, because God says he will put his word on the inside of you. That word will ignite and it will grow. You will produce fruit, he says. You will ask what you want and you will receive it. And he says, you will produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. That is amazing. Amen. You just have to press in to get it. You got to press in to get it. It's not going to happen casually. Amen. You've got to do something to get the word of God to work on the inside of you. Salvation is by grace, but you've got to press into it. You've got to repent. You've got to say, I'm willing. You've got to decide you're going to follow the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right, so anyway, you see all these little examples that are showing you've got to press in if you want to grow. 
And I hope every single one of you want to grow. And I hope you don't just hear this word and you go home and just don't do anything differently. I'm hoping while, while I'm talking to you, you're getting a vision like, wow, man, what am I thinking? I've got to get back into the word. Man, what am I thinking? I've got to focus on getting the word back on the inside of me. I've had times when I recognize I, I begin to wane in my desire for the word. And it's important that you desire the word. James says, yearn for the milk of the word. Yearn for the nutrition that you get out of that word, that you might grow from it. Part of growing, part of getting something is wanting it, right? You yearn for it. You're not, you're, you're not like, I don't care. I'm so bored about it. And whenever I, whenever I start to lose my yearning, I begin to go, wait a second. Is my focus okay? Have I been distracted? Am I being pulled? Is my mind on other things? Because if I'm eating junk food, if I'm trying to fill up all those gaps with something else, or if my focus is in something else, I cannot have much of God, and I won't have much of the desire for the things of God, and I stop growing. Are y'all with me? Are y'all listening? Amen. Does that make sense? You see, but whenever I get rid of, when I recognize, wait a minute, my hunger has gone down a little bit and I start dealing with things. Oh, let me get rid of this. Let me get rid of this junk food. Let me get, let me pull my focus off of here. I've been thinking about that too much. I've been, I've been worrying about this issue in life. Let me just get away from that and put it in God's hands. Man, the hunger comes back. The hunger comes back. And then I want to get more and more into the word of God. Let me just tell you, this is for every single one of us. It's not just for me because I'm a preacher. It's not just for me. God gives it to every single one of us. I'm just preaching happens to be my role in life. It's what God's called me to do. God's called you perhaps to do something different. But he's called all of us to be hungry for the word. He wants to feed every single one of us. We're his lambs, his sheep. He wants to feed us. He wants to give us the word. He wants to be, you know, well nourished and strong, full of faith. Full of Him. Amen. That's what this life's about. This life's a test. This life's nothing but about, you know, learning how to overcome, learning how to walk this out, learning how to overcome in our battles and win victories. Amen. So that's what God's called us to do. Now, I want to get into this second part of what I wanted to share today, which is how to press in to blessings and breakthroughs. Okay. So you have to press into salvation. Remember, it says that they did that. That's what Jesus said in those two verses. You have to press in, right, to, to growth. You can't just be passive. Never spend time with God. Don't come to church. Don't, you know, don't listen to the word. You just can't be passive. You got to make yourself get up and do something. And you always have to push yourself and not just try to do what's the most easy and the most comfortable thing to do. And then, and then lastly, I just want to say and want to get into today this point that if you want the promises and the breakthroughs that the Word of God speaks of, you've got to learn to press into them. You have to press into them. You've got to claim them. You've got to make them your own. We saw the verse recently where it says there were those in, where is it in Hebrews um, 11? There were those that obtained the promises. They all had the promises. Only a few obtained them or they secured them for themselves or they actually received them for themselves. They made them their own. Many were told, I'm giving you the promised land, but most didn't go into the promised land. They died in the wilderness. Joshua and Caleb ended up going in. And why? Because they said, we're going to believe God. We're going to trust God. We have pressed in past our fears, past our doubts, past these circumstances and everything we felt into a place of faith. And when you do that, I am telling you, God is going to reward you and the promises are so ours. And you might go, oh, that's too hard. God never gives us anything too hard. That's what the Israelites said. That's too hard. If you say that's too hard, you're saying exactly the same thing the Israelites said. You're an overcomer. If the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you, you can overcome every doubt. You can overcome every fear and you can resist every devil and cast every devil out of your life. You can break every curse working in your life, in your home, in your family, and in your future if you'll use your faith. Amen? Amen. 
So I am encouraging you press into this place of receiving your promises. There's so many. I had a list when I started preparing for today. I had a list. Of, I don't know how many examples. Okay. So then you go in and you fill in the gaps, right? And I'm like, I can only share one. You know, I can only get, I only get to one of them today. But um, it's in First Kings chapter 17. What an interesting story of a woman who pressed in, so to speak, for her blessing. And again, there are so many. And um, I don't, I'm not sure if I could have had a better order of which one to share first. But anyway, here we are. 1 Kings 17, 8. Now, this is in a time of a famine. There's no food because there's been no rain. I don't know how long there'd been no rain at this time, but they went for three and a half years with no rain. That's called a curse, okay? That's God doing something to wake his people up, which is exactly, exactly what happened. But anyway, the water's dried up. There's no water in certain places. And so Elijah has been hiding because they want to kill him. He's a prophet and he's been hiding. He's been eating in the wilderness. Birds have been bringing him food. And God comes and says to him one day, go to such and such place. There's a woman there who's going to take care of you. She'll provide for you. He probably doesn't know, you know, just from the pattern in scripture, I very seriously doubt he knew the details. So he goes there. He sees this woman. And um, here, here's the word. Let me just back up here and begin to read the word. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. Okay, he didn't show up to the widow to provide for him. Uh, I don't know how to explain this. He, this was God's will. But this woman had not had a visitation from an angel. You understand what I'm saying? So he arose, goes to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called out to her, Hey, bring me a little water in a cup that I can drink. Now that's so interesting to me. There in a the famine hadn't rained. Uh, I wonder, I mean, he's sort of a gruff character. I wonder if he said anything else. Hey, ma'am, how you doing? How's your day going? I don't know if he did. Sometimes my wife tells me, honey, you need to learn. Don't be so rude sometimes. You, you, you just say stuff. But anyway, maybe Elijah was like that. And so he's there. It's in a drought. It's a famine. Hardly any water. People are running out of food. And he sees this lady gathering sticks and goes, hey, lady, bring me a little water so I can drink. You know, what would you say to that man? You are crazy, right? Anyway, she went to go get it. And he called out to her. Here he's going. He's, he's like pressing a little more. He's probably wondering. I think this is probably the woman God was telling me about. Hey, give me a drink. Um, looks like maybe it is. There she goes. And then, you know, if you read the scriptures, you'll recognize God often talks to his prophets as they're in process walking the thing out. Um, anyway, uh, as she was going to get it, he calls out again to her. Hey. Also, bring me some food back. <laughs> and, um, and she goes, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have any bread, only a handful of flour and a little jar. That's all I've got, a handful of flour. And I'm gathering these sticks because I'm going to go in and prepare it my son and I, we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. It, it's it. That's it. And Elijah said to her, Don't fear. Go. Do. But make me a small cake first. Give me some food first. And bring it to me. Then, afterward, make for yourself and your son, because then the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord send rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word. She did according to the word of Elijah. She gave to him first, and then she cooked. And she and her household ate for many days. 
The bin wasn't used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which was spoken by Elijah. Let me tell you something. This woman got her miracle. This was her miracle. Can you imagine being in that situation? You're a, a widow. You've got a son. You've got no food. You see, you're probably barely eating, letting him eat a little more just because you're thinking, we, you know, how are we going to survive? And you're down to the last little bit. I mean, just imagine what a breakthrough this was for her. And can you imagine she's making, she's making him a little bit and she hardly has anything left over at all because she just gave him half of it. Of the little, she, she only had a handful. Now, is Elijah, think, I, I want you to think through this. Elijah could have said, okay, it's going to multiply. After it multiplies, then give me some big because I'm really hungry. No, there's a principle involved here. She only had a real little bit. He says, I have a handful. Make me a cake out of that. What? She said, I have a handful. Make me a cake first. As little as it is. Just make me first. She makes that first. Painfully. You know what I'm saying? She makes that first. Then she goes and she gives that away. Then after she does that, he says, after that, then... Then she goes back and she pours to make more and it keeps on pouring. The oil keeps on pouring. She puts the flour in and it just keeps on coming. She's like, wow. She got her miracle. Do y'all see that? Is that not amazing? Do y'all recognize when God gives us stories like this, this isn't for us to go, oh, wow, what a neat little interest, interesting incident. No. The New Testament says these stories are for your faith. They're for your training. They're for your, you to use. And what God has done for one person, he'll do for another. Do not be a doubter. Do not be one that says, God can't do that. Well, he won't do it for you if, you, if you're like that. Amen? God will do for one what he's done for another. Now, I want us to go through this and just think through this right here. First of all, she had a promise. It, what was it a promise of? Divine provision. God's going to provide. God's going to give to you, right? But what's happened here? Uh, she's going to have to step out in faith to get it. That's a real crazy thing right here. But um, she's going to have to give away something first to enter into the miracle. Now, I just want to say, you can't always just say, uh, I trust in the promises. You can't always just pray and get your promises. Oftentimes, you're going to have to step out on your faith to get that promise. Amen? So she's believing for something to happen. I know she's asking for something to happen. But here, she's got to step out. Step out to make that promise come to pass. And so I want to encourage you right now. If you wonder, why, does, why don't I ever get any miracles? I've asked for this. I've asked for that. Um, well, let me just encourage you with this. Begin to pray. Believe. The Bible says if you believe when you pray, you're going to receive it. However, uh, sometimes we ask God for a blessing, and I believe what happens is God begins to show us. He is like, yes, and he shows us what to do to get it. He shows us how to trigger our faith. He shows us what we are to do. This happens so regularly in the Word of God. You know, we can see that with um, so many stories. You see it with, with Naaman. You remember Naaman? Uh, I mean, he was one of the ones I was going to be talking about today, but he goes, he's believing for this miracle. And then Elijah says to him, I mean, it was Elisha, go wash in the Jordan seven times. He goes, crazy, you're crazy. I already did all this. I've already used my faith. I've already asked. I've done everything I ought to do. You think I'm going to go do that? Now, it doesn't sound reasonable to us. And people today will say, oh, you don't have to do anything. Just ask. No, sometimes God will lead you to do something to trigger your blessing coming back to you. 
And you know what that doing will release your faith. It might break your pride, which is what happened to Elijah. It might cause you to have to step into a place of faith you've never been into, where you did have some doubt. You're going to have to let that go to do what you've got to do. Whatever, when God leads you to do something, just do it. Amen. Now, will you see that? Let me just make that clear. I'm going to back up just a second. So you pray, you ask God. Sometimes God gives you something to do, an obedience, a step to take. And it's in that step of obedience that your blessing comes. Amen? It's in that step of faith. Now, there are many promises in the Word of God. You can read them and go, hmm, interesting promise. Hmm, interesting promise. Oh, that's neat. Hmm, wonder if that works. You're going to have to step out on it for it to work for you. Amen? Amen? You have to step out on that promise for it to work. Now, this woman was a Gentile, and at that point in history, you know, they didn't know God. Uh, she was not an Israelite. She was from another country. And, um, but the New Testament says, and this Jesus speaking, he says God sent Elijah to that woman. In fact, Jesus is making a point of it and go, look, there are a bunch of Jewish women who were widows that had needs, but he sent Elijah to that woman. He was actually rebuking the Jewish people when he said that something was lacking and there was something in that woman. In other words, we look at it and Elijah was looking at it like, oh, there's a place to eat that God's going to provide. But God wasn't just looking at it like that. God goes, there's a woman right there I want to provide for. Do y'all see what I'm saying? And it says, he sent Elijah to that woman. Why did that woman? To help her in her need. But why her? Remember, all, Jesus didn't go to all those others. Why her? This tells me something very clearly. This woman was praying very sincerely to a God she did not know yet, asking for help. And that's why God sent her help. I believe she was probably praying something, something like this. God, if you're real, I need help. I'm asking for help. Show me yourself, God. You help me and I'll serve you all the days of my life. That kind of prayer, God, if you're real, I want to know and I'll serve you. God, if you're real, let me know. I'll give everything. I'll go to the ends of the earth. I am telling you, you seek God with all your heart. You're going to find him. Amen. Are y'all with me? I know she had to be praying something like that. God heard that prayer. And I want to encourage you guys. If some of you might be listening to me, you don't know whether this thing's real or not yet whether God's real, whether this is the right God, if you're sincere and you're willing to say, God, if this is you, I'll follow you. And you tell God from the bottom of your heart with all sincerity, and if you mean it. And when you bring that to God, you just, in your mind, you put your life on the line and say, God, here I am. You show me you're real and I'll follow you with all my heart. But I'm telling you, you got to do that with a humble attitude and you got to be desperate and really want it. Just like this woman. Amen. Anyway, if you need help, you need a breakthrough. The principle is the same. Guys, pray to God for what you need. Ask God. Start somewhere. God will begin to meet you where you are, and he will lead you in the line of faith and what you need to do to get your prayers answered. Amen? Sometimes we start believing. Okay? Remember? When you pray, believe that you receive. He's telling you to do something. He's not, he doesn't say, hope you will receive. He says, believe. That takes a lot of effort to believe that you're receiving what you're praying for, you see? And so he says, believe it and you'll receive it, right? But as I mentioned, sometimes we're praying, we're asking, and there's a journey. We have to take the next step. We have to do the next thing. We have to obey the Lord. And God begin, may begin to show us some things that we need to do. And he's faithful to do whatever. But you need to know from the beginning, when we know because of the promises, God's going to answer. Okay, God comes through when it's almost too late. 
God loves perseverance. Y'all know that? God loves perseverance. Every time you see somebody with a bad situation and they just say, I'm going to keep on believing. I'm going to keep on believing. I'm going to keep on trusting. Um, Every time he sees that, it just blesses his heart. You know, there's a verse that tells us what to do when we don't get what we're asking for. It's in Luke 18. It says, keep praying. Keep, don't give up. You might go, well, I've not, I've not gotten what I'm asking for. And now, I, I don't want to get off into this too much, but hopefully you're not praying for something stupid. You understand what I'm saying? Some kind of crazy something like for somebody else's wife or, I mean, there's a bunch of things. I could mention a whole bunch of things you could be praying for that's not God, right? And, um, but, you know, so don't pray outside of the will of God. And you should know, according to the will of God, God wants to bless you with good things. He wants to provide for you. He wants to heal you. He wa- I mean, if he doesn't want to heal you, why did Jesus say he demonstrated to the Father and he healed everybody who came to him, right? He says, I'm demonstrating the will of the Father. When you see me, you see the Father. This is who God is. Amen? God is the healer. He's Jehovah. What? Rapha, right? Am I saying that right? Anyway, um, so it was almost too late, and I, I can just imagine this woman has been praying for months. Um, another thing about this story that impresses me is just that she said yes so quickly. Think about this. This woman is not an Israelite. She doesn't know who Elijah is. She doesn't even know who this man is who's asking her for water and then bread, feed me first, and... Not only that, she's having to give of the last. She doesn't have a lot, and he's asking for a little piece. He's asking for a significant part of the little bit she has left. Now, that just sounds crazy to me. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure how I would have responded. I mean, hopefully I I would have been in the right place where she was. But, uh, you know, a lot of people today would say something like, you know, Oh, that preacher, he's just all about himself. He's, he's saying do this and that. It's all about him. And I could imagine that would have been the most easy thing to say about Elijah. And sometimes there's certain things that I think are even difficult for preachers to say, right? Amen. Are y'all with me? That Elijah just said it just as boldly as he could. Give, and you watch what happens. Give, you watch what happens. Now, if she had gotten upset at it, And she said, how dare him? I am poor. I have one meal left. One meal left. And he told me to give some of that to him. Unbelievable. I cannot believe his audacity. And then him saying, God's going to bless me for it. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. I just can't believe that. She would have died if she'd said that. And she would have died probably justifying herself saying she's right. Y'all see that? But anyway, again, why did, she, why did she answer with faith so quickly? I believe it's because she's been drawing near to God. She's been praying. God's been working in her heart. She's been saying things like, God, I'll do whatever you ask. God, I lay my... Her heart was in the right condition so that when God did show her the right way, she had was already broken before the Lord to say, God, you said if you'd reveal yourself. I said if you'd reveal yourself. And I've been asking you to do this. And, and here's this man that's come. And he's just done this. And something seems right about it. But other things are going on too. You see, you see somehow she stepped out. She stepped out on the word, on the promise that Elijah had spoken from the Lord and that is what caused her to receive it. Do you see that? She had to step out, out of her comfort zone, out of where she was, into a place of walking it out. She had to step out on that promise to receive that promise. You see? Now... So many times we have a conflict right there. You know, doubt will come in. Fear will come in. And they'll all talk to us. Fear will say, 
Do that and you're going to die quicker. Do that. But if you hold on, maybe you can hold on in one more day. Maybe, maybe something will happen and somebody will bring you some food if you can hold on one more day. Or if you, you know, your fears will start to kick in. Or human reasoning will kick in. How about this one? Oh yeah, I'll give. I'll give to you, God. But you give to me first. You multiply first and then I'll give. Do y'all see what I'm saying? You know how many people said that to God? God, bless me first and then I'll give. But sometimes God's like, no, it won't require faith for you to do that. I want you to walk in faith. You give first. You remember I was telling you earlier to experience the kingdom? You have to take initiative. God says, knock and I'll, and I'll come. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. Um, get into the word. The word will get into you. You, you see what I'm You take initiative, right? You have to take the initiative to stand on the promise. The promise is already there. He's already given it to us. Just like he says, I'm here knocking. I'm already here. You just have to open the door. The promises are already there. All we have to do is to find them and step out on them and believe them and trust them. And if we step out on the promises, we will find they are true and God will come through. Amen. Step out on those promises. Anyway, human reasoning. God would never ask me to give my last. God knows I need this. Let him multiply my food first, and then I'll give. <laughs> and let me just mention this too. Miracles tend to happen the most when people are desperate. I've wondered, and what's getting ready to happen in this nation? If there's going to be a combination of hardship and miracles. All I know is I'm doing my best every day. I don't, I don't want any word of doubt in my mind. I don't want any word of fear. And you better be the same way. Don't ever let a word come into your mind that's going to say, oh, I'm not going to make it. Oh, I need this. Oh, I'm going to need... Don't ever let those words come into your mind. You might think, but I have to. I've got to examine the fact. No, no, no. You need to examine the word of God and you need to make sure there's no doubt or no fear in your heart or in your mind because that little doubt, that little fear is the hole in your boat that will make you sink if you don't deal with it. Deal with it and you will sail through a difficult problem and you will sleep well through it because there are no doubts on the inside of you. You know how many times Jesus says, have faith and fear not. There are two different things. We've got to get our faith. We've got to build up our faith and we've got to make sure no fears are on the inside of us. Sometimes I want to fear and doubt. What I mean is, I want to look at the problem and somehow think about it. And I remember when the revelation began to come to me. You have to make yourself not do that as much as that you think you ought to do that. As much as you feel like it's irresponsible. You've got to make every single doubt get out of your mind. You can't even think about your problems with the spirit of fear and doubt. They may be your worst problems. You might have a terminal illness today somewhere out there in internet land or here. You might have a terminal illness. You can't focus on that too much. It's going to bring you down. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard. And sometimes we, we need people around us because we're so worn out and tired from the battle we're in. I understand. I've seen people so worn out by their sickness, they don't even have any energy hardly to get up out of bed. They need other people to stand in the gap for them. But I'll encourage you, as long as you got strength, you rise up, you be strong, and you make a decision. God, I'm going to believe in you. That just reminds me of a story, one of my favorite stories of, of this kind of perseverance. Was this woman, she had been believing God for a long time for her healing. And I can't remember what her sickness was, but it was like a terminal sickness and her chest, her, she was bleeding uh, and she had all this sickness in her body. And um, she woke up one morning all worn out and her, all of her clothes were, her, were just drenched with blood. And she goes into the bathroom and she's washing her clothes out, washing the blood out. And she said, She's already, already been believing God for so long. Already been claiming the promise so long. Standing on the word of God 
for her promise so long. And in that moment, she just, she just rose up and she says, God, in the middle of her pain, God, I still believe in you. And she said, right when I said that, the power of God hit me right there in my bathroom and healed my body absolutely and completely. And of course, she went around sharing her testimony with everybody. But I just love that story. You see, miracles happen to us when we're desperate and we'll hold on to God and we'll say, God, I'm not letting go of you. Amen? Now, can any of you think of a promise that's similar to the promise that Elijah gave that woman? Hmm. How about this one? Give and it shall be given to you. Oh, I don't really believe that. That's just like a, you know, like a proverb or something. Wait a minute. Jesus said this. It, if Jesus didn't intend for us to act on this, he would have never said it, would he? What'd he say? Give and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give unto you. Now, this applies to everything. Give encouragement. It's going to come back to you. Give prayer. It's going to come back to you. Give finances. Finances will come back to you. You don't believe it? It's all in the Word of God, and we'll see some other places in just a minute. But I just want to emphasize this. This is the same truth, promise, that Elijah gave to that woman. Is it not? Give first, and then it's going to come back to you. Do y'all see that? Jesus goes, give first, then it's going to come back to you. That's really powerful. Now, we know this is a law, right? It's the law of sowing and reaping. Once you begin to realize the law of sowing and reaping, it's like in almost every chapter of the Bible. <laughs> I mean, I was reading Proverbs the other day, and like every Proverbs, I began to write that, like reaping, reaping, reaping. I'm going, wow, it's amazing. Sowing and reaping is all over the Word of God. Even what we said earlier, what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it, right? But anyway, um, it's, it's a law. But because Jesus said it, because Jesus said it, it's also now a promise to you and to me. It's not only a spiritual law, it's a promise. Y'all see that? Give, and it's going to come back to you. Well, we all not that. Well, okay, we'll tell Jesus he was wrong to preach that, and you go and rebuke him for it, okay? All right? Now, I'll just say this. To a broke person, this sounds like the most crazy thing you can do. You know, just like this woman. She had a little bit of bread. But sometimes the most crazy thing you can do is the very thing that God will use to give you a breakthrough. And you don't have to be broke, by the way, for this thing to work for you. Paul talked about this very same principle. And um, listen to this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And he's talking about, guess what? He's talking about money. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But I say to you, he who sows, we're talking about sowing and reaping again, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Do y'all remember what we said earlier where Jesus says, according to the measure you give is going to be according to the measure you get back. Amen? Again, that principle is all over the Word of God, everywhere, pertaining to everything. And he who sows, but here he's talking about finances. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly or of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, always having all sufficiency in all things, excuse me, that you may always have all sufficiency in all things and have an abundance for every good work. As it's written, he's dispersed abroad, given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Then he says this. Now may he who supplies seed 
Now, what's he calling seed right here? May he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness that you may be enriched in everything for all liberality that brings thanksgiving to God through us. Man, what a, what a powerful, intense thing there. I just want to mention a couple of things here. He's calling money here seed. And the, I mean, you could say anything. You could apply anything to seed because remember, sowing and reaping applies to anything right? and everything. But here he's talking about finances. And, um, you know, it's interesting. There's a proverb says there's, there's the one who holds, who holds back more what he ought to give and it, re, it results in poverty. <laughs> But there's one who gives all the more, and it increases generosity. It increases his blessing. And uh, that was even noted by Solomon. He realized that was something that happened. Anyway, he's called money seed, and he says God will multiply seeds you sow. How do you sow money? By giving, by being generous. And guess what? To give and to be generous, you have to press past yourself. You got to press past the love of money. You got to press past greed and covetousness. Oh, I want it. I want it. You got to let go. I am telling you, every single one of us has this battle. I believe that. You want to hold on to everything. But God's like, just like he told that woman, let go. When you let go and you hold on to the promise, then it'll come back to you. You see, you get some spiritual thing working on your behalf when you do what God says because the word told you to do it. I do think there, there's, I do believe the spiritual principle always works. I don't even think you have to know it. It's going to work for you, right? Because it's a law. But it's a promise, and when you hold on to it because it's a promise and you are looking to God to make this promise work, I believe there's a multiplied effect and God will bring back to you. Amen? And there's nothing wrong with expecting God to bless you back. You give expecting not the person to give you back. You give to somebody, don't require. In other words, it's saying you find a needy person, bless them. In fact, I want to encourage you. Have your eyes out this week. Be looking for needs. Just think, God, give me an opportunity. Maybe put some extra money in your pocket book and go, God, I'm going to do that promise this week. Lead me to give to somebody. Lead me. Let me see a need that I can bless. Let me see someone that's discouraged. Maybe me just doing something for them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand on that word. This, <laughs> are y'all with me? It's like there's a promise. It's not going to happen for you unless you step out on it. You've got to take every promise that's in the word of God seriously and not just read over it and go, well, that really means, you know, oh, this doesn't mean. No, it means you better step out on it if you want it to happen. And most people don't obtain the promises. They just read them. Amen. <laughs> And they're happy to read them. If they're already got, they've already provided for themselves, they're okay if God doesn't do a miracle for them. They'd rather hold on to whatever. You see what I'm saying? But that's why the desperate get so many miracles. The desperate get miracles. Oh my God, Lord, for every desperate soul today, I thank you that the miracles are there. I thank you that faith is being ignited right now for those that have been under the, like black cloud, dark clouds, some difficult situations in life. I thank you that faith that is amazing, that's crazy, that is way beyond the circumstance, is rising up. And Lord, I thank you that the Word of God is getting real to people. And Father, I thank you for those that have been asking, saying, God, what can I do? God, help me. God, help me. Lord, I pray your Word will become alive to them. God, and I thank you for directing them right now into their breakthrough. Direct them right now into their blessing. Lord, I thank you that faith is ignited even today. I break every lie of doubt, every word of the flesh, Every word that says, oh, you can't trust God. Oh, maybe God didn't work. No, God, we trust in you, God. And we thank you. Your word shall come to pass. Every promise shall be made good. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, anyway, 
So, um, so getting back to this word, you can, you can test God. You know, there's a place. Now, God says don't put him to the foolish test, right? That means to tempt him. That means to do something stupid like, okay, and see, uh, you know, it's like when a woman goes, don't test me to her child. You know that means, you know what that means, right? So don't test God. But there's another place where God says, do test him, right? And that was in Malachi. I know you're all familiar with that. He says, test me now in this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse and test me. Watch what I will do if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing to you. God, pour out the blessing first and then, no, no, no. Bring in all the tithes. You step out in faith. And then I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. And what does he say? Test me now. If he says, test me now, with that promise given hundreds of years ago, I mean thousands, he's going to, you know, we can also test what Jesus said. Amen. I believe both of those promises are still good. What Jesus said, Jesus means. I'll just end with this story right here. Someone came up to me a few months ago and they'd come to church. And this person is a faithful giver. I mean, got a huge giving heart and a faithful tither. And um, she something happened and she got in a big pinch. And that morning she prayed and said, God, you know I got a need. God, you know this is difficult. God, I don't know what to do, but Lord, I need $600. I'm bringing you this request right here. I need $600. She came to church. After church, uh, another lady came up to her and gave her $600. The very same day she gave that prayer to God, she was blown away. $600. The exact amount she asked for that morning. Somebody said, God told me to give you this $600. That was a few months ago she told me about it. And uh, she, told, she told the lady, I needed exactly $600. I prayed this morning for $600. And she told me that the lady said, well, God told me $600. I didn't know really why. And I thought, God, that's too much. You just want me to bless her with $600? But the number $600 kept coming. So I gave her $600. And, and the testimony blessed her because she's going, wow, now I know I heard God. You know, that's how God works sometimes. Isn't that amazing? And I will tell you, both of these people are taken care of by the Lord. And the one who gives, I just would say, I mean, I just know that person to be a giver too. And you see, what does God say he does to the giver? He says he gives seed to the sower. And that person always has seed to sow because they're always sowing. They're always giving. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I noticed some things like that and then my wife and I will talk about, wow, that person really has this gift, is really in that area. And you can see the blessing of the Lord in that area. I can tell you some other people that have been so faithful. I know, I can tell you people who have been faithful in extremely difficult times to keep sowing, to keep giving. And then boom, out of nowhere, finances have, I mean, some of it might, I don't know, if there's, there's some huge testimonies I could share. I won't because I don't know if people would want it to be private, but I'm like, I mean, it's just sort of mind-boggling. And to see the testimony of what God has done and how God brings in, He brings in and brings and, and fulfills that word. He brings seed to the sower. He brings finances to the giver. Now, it's not easy. And we'll have the same kind of stuff coming in our mind this woman did, I'm sure. Because... And particularly, if you got all your needs met, you're not, you're not as desperate, right? I want to encourage you. You might be a wealthy person. I want to encourage you. Start living out this promise. Even if you, even if you feel like you're having to start at a low level and you go, wow, I've got all this money and I feel so stingy. Well, just start giving a little bit. Ask God that you can be a blessing. And just like that person, God will start giving, putting things on your heart. And if you step out and obey, I guarantee you, God's going to be good to his word and bring you back the blessing. This woman received a blessing of 
getting her needs met. It was a miracle, but she had to press into it. Some of you this morning, you know, you listen to God. What is God pulling you to do? Maybe you've been asking God, you need a breakthrough, you need finances. Maybe your breakthrough's already started. But maybe God's got even more of something for you. I just want to ask you, pay attention to God. Listen to that still small voice. And if you've already been praying and asking God, God, speak to me. Show me where my breakthrough is. I believe today is part of you hearing back from God. And I believe you're going to hear even more. You're going to know exactly what you need to do if you're willing to do it. And you watch when you do what God says and when you just obey the word, watch it come back to you. Okay? But before I pray and close, I just want to say this. You don't have to have a special word just to do what Jesus said. You can just step out on what that word says. Amen? And go, God, I am claiming the promise because I want to be generous. I want to be a giver. Some people say, you know, and I know some people may do this wrongly and make, make church all about money. It's not all about money, but it's a huge part about giving and you do need to know how you get your needs met. Amen? And really, the focus isn't to be getting. The focus is to learn how to give more and more. Amen. Amen. Oh, Father, we just thank you, Lord God, so much for today, Lord. We pray bless us, Lord, with understanding of how to enter into breakthroughs and miracles and blessings. Teach us, God, how to step out on your word, how to step out on promises, and how to make them ours. Lord, help us to see, Lord, whether we are rich or poor, it doesn't matter. The Word of God works for every single one of us. God's a great provider for every single one of us. You might be somewhere and you, you might just hardly have anything left in your cupboard. I just want to tell you, trust the promises of God. Act on the Word. Test God and watch if God will not come through for you. I boldly say it. In my flesh, I die saying things like that if I don't believe them, right? But if I know it's going to help you just like Elijah, I'm able to say, you know what? Be a blessing. Be a giver. And watch it come back to you. Lord, I thank you for that. And God, we thank you for meeting every need. Thank you for jobs coming around people's way. Thank you for open doors. Thank you for opportunities. Thank you that, Lord, we don't need to focus on getting. We need to focus on giving. And Lord, help us to get that mindset, God. Help us to develop the mindset of a giver, of a generous person. Lord, so we won't be worried about that because you even told us don't even worry about it. Help us, oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.